Um, if you're able, I just ask that you would stand with me as we hear the word of the Lord read together. Uh, I'm going to be reading from Psalm chapter 23, verses 1 through 6. Psalm 23. This is the word of the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our Lord remains forever. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for your love. Uh, we thank you for passages like this, uh, the assurances that we have. Um, that we are kept safely in your hands. In your name we pray. Amen. Maybe seated. Well, this morning, uh, we're going to be looking at Psalm 23, uh, verses 1 through 6, uh, which I just read. And uh, we're going to look at this because generation after generation of Christians um, have gone to this psalm for comfort. Uh, we, they found comfort in, this psalm, uh, in the psalms in general, but specifically in this psalm. In fact, uh, one of the commentators, uh, Kent Hughes, um, he says this about Psalm 23. He says, if the average American knows anything about the Bible, he or she probably knows the opening line of Psalm 23. And, and, and Psalm 23 is a psalm written by King David. Um, and David, as we know, uh, was a man who throughout his life uh, faced tremendous hardships, uh, a number of powerful enemies, including uh, the king of his own country. Uh, he knew what it was like. Uh, he knew what it was like to fear. And as the Lord continued to sustain him and to protect him, he learned to trust God to provide for him. And so Psalm 23, is a, is a, what it is, it's a declaration of trust. Um, it's a declaration of that trust and that confidence in the Lord um, that David learned uh, through his life. And it's the strength of David's declaration of trust. It's the strength of his confidence that we find in the words of Psalm 23 that's has really made this psalm so incredibly uh, popular uh, throughout the centuries for Christians, but also so powerful in the lives of Christians. And, and the reality is that, that just like David um, knew what it was to fear, just like Israel knew what it was to fear, uh, we all have things that we fear. Uh, the things that we fear uh, can change as our circumstances, um, as our seasons of life change. Uh, but we all know what it is. Uh, we all know what it's like to be afraid. Uh, Amanda will tell you, she's not here this morning, but she could tell you uh, that when we got married, uh, we were both surprised uh, to learn that I am apparently afraid of sleeping in cabins. Uh, it was a new discovery for me. I had no idea. I'd been in cabins before. I was fine. Um, apparently, after I got married, no longer fine sleeping in cabins. And so for the first several years of our marriage, uh, we would go on these vacations to the mountains, and we would stay in these quaint little cabins. And we're actually doing this next week, and I'd forgotten about this. It's been a while since we've done this, so now I'm kind of nervous about it. Um, but we, the first years of our marriage, we would go up to the mountains, stay in a cabin. And I quickly discovered that I really hate sleeping in cabins. Uh, and so on our first trip to the mountains, you know, we get there. Uh, it's absolutely beautiful. It was scenic. Uh, it was everything that you want a cabin in the mountains to be. Um, and then later that night, uh, you realize that 
Uh, my wife and I were sleeping in the cabin that is mostly made of windows um, and doors to the outside. There's no blinds, so they can see in. You can't see it. You know, you've been there. Um, you, can't see, you can't see anything except the reflection in, but they can see you because they don't put blinds in cabins for some reason. Um, and you're, you're in the middle of the woods uh, by yourselves. And, you know, I realized, like, what I had to protect us was, like, a small hatchet that I found, uh, which was also a little concerning. Um, and so the entire time we were there, I, I really struggled to sleep at night, you know, I jumped at every noise. Uh, it was just this terrible experience. One night, you know, the gas logs lit themselves, you know, the, and so you hear this, like, foop, you know, and all of a sudden you're going, like, what? Um, and so that was my first experience of the Cabin in the Mountains. Well, uh, since we love the mountains, we decided, you know, let's try it again. That was, you know, a one-time thing. Uh, we came prepared. Amanda like had some note cards with some like Bible verses, you know, to help me calm down at night. Uh, and we picked a cabin that was named Aunt B's Retreat. Uh, well, you know, we're Andy Griffith fans. Uh, Aunt B is a pretty kind and non-threatening character. Uh, so we thought with a name like Aunt B's Retreat, uh, it's gonna. This is a safe bet. You know, this is gonna go way better. Well, we get to the cabin. Uh, we got married on October 29th. Uh, never in our life thinking about the relationship to Halloween. Uh, so we just thought, oh, it's fall, you know. So we get to this quaint little cabin, and the first thing we see uh, when we walk in is that they've decorated this quaint little cabin for Halloween. Uh, <laughs> um, and so, as you can imagine, this was not uh, a great start. Um, but Amanda, like I said, had brought some Bible verses on flashcards, you know, me to read at night, try to calm down. And so I did okay uh, for a little while. And then, uh, middle of the night, a windstorm comes. Um, and so the wind was strong enough that it was like blowing around patio furniture on the deck. So you can hear this kind of sliding noise outside on the deck. Um, trees are creaking. Uh, we had this lovely tin roof, but then all the acorns started falling off and then rolling down the roof, you know. And so um, there was a quaint little sign. I was like, welcome to our cabin, you know, and had like you know, a sweet little sign. Well, the wind turned that into not a sweet sign. Uh, they just started banging on the door all night long. And so, uh, once again, I did not sleep at all, uh, this cabin. And, um, you know, the next year after that, we stayed in a hotel in the mountains. Uh, and that was a much better experience. Uh, but, you know, when I got married, um, became responsible for my wife's safety. You know, I suddenly discovered that, you know, all of the aspects of a cabin that make it really pleasant during the day uh, become things that, became things that worried me at night. And, and the reality is that, you know, we all have things that we fear, that make us worry, that makes us anxious, uh, the things that we fear, the things that make us anxious, uh, they can change as our circumstances and as our seasons of life change. Uh, but we all know what it means to, to fear. Uh, and the things that we fear may vary from person to person. You know, I have different fears in my 30s than my 3-year-old does. You know, a parent with a 20-year-old child has different fears than a parent with a 2-year-old child. You know, a senior getting ready to graduate, uh, wondering what they're going to do with their lives, you know, has different concerns than someone who's considering their upcoming retirement. Uh, I struggle to sleep in a cabin in the mountains, and some of you go to sleep every night with your front doors unlocked somehow. I don't know how you'll do that. Um, you know, so, the, so the things that we fear, uh, the things that scare us, so the things that make us anxious, they aren't always the same. Uh, but what is the same is that we all know what it's like to be afraid. Uh, we all know what it's like to worry. Uh, maybe we're afraid for our own safety. Maybe we're afraid that we won't be able to find a new job or that we won't be able to pay the mortgage this month. Uh, maybe we worry about our children, uh, both for their present and for their future. Uh, maybe we're afraid that we've made the wrong choices, or that when the time comes to decide, we're afraid that we'll make a wrong choice. Uh, maybe we're afraid that we will never find someone who will understand us and still love us. Uh, maybe we're afraid that our bodies will wear out before our minds do, or maybe we're afraid that our minds will wear out before our bodies do. 
you know, the strength and the focus of our fears may not be the same, but we all know. Uh, we all know what it's like to be afraid, uh, to be anxious. And so Psalm 23 is a psalm written by David. Um, and David was a man who, like I said, throughout his life, he, he knew what it was to, to fear, uh, to be anxious. He knew hardship. Uh, he knew what it was like to have powerful enemies. Uh, he knew what it was like to fear and as the Lord continued to sustain him and continued to protect him throughout his life, uh, David didn't just know what it was to fear. He learned, uh, he learned what it was to trust. And so Psalm 23 is a declaration of that trust. It's a declaration of confidence in the Lord. And it's, it's really the strength of David's declaration of trust that uh, draws us to it. So this morning, uh, we're going to spend time studying this passage. You know, Psalm 23 is it's, it's quoted by soldiers on battlefields. It's read over the ill and the dying. It's it's memorized by children. Uh, it gives comfort to the elderly. This, this psalm gives comforts to those uh, who are confronting some of the most difficult experiences and difficult seasons of their lives. Um, even in a culture that has become increasingly less and less familiar with the Bible, you continue to find people who are familiar with the psalm. And, and since we also live in a world uh, that is unfortunately full of reasons to be concerned and to be worried and to be anxious... Uh, we need to learn from David to find comfort and peace in the knowledge that our God will provide for us. So, so this morning, we're going to walk through this passage together. Um, and as we do, uh, we're going to look at four ways that God provides for his people uh, that we find in this text this morning. And so the first way that we see God providing for his people in Psalm 23 is by providing for our physical needs. Uh, the first way we see God providing for his people in Psalm 23 is by providing for our physical needs. You know, some of our greatest moments of fear, uh, some of our greatest moments of anxiety uh, really revolve around our physical needs. You know, the doctor's bill that we're not sure how we're going to pay, the broken down car, um, you know, facing graduation without a job or a place to live, water leaks um, in our home, uh, buying shoes and clothes for our kids. You know, in, in this psalm, David tells us that God provides uh, for the physical needs of his people. And I'm going to read the first two verses of this psalm again. Uh, verses 1 and 2 say, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. And there's so much to say about these first two verses. Uh, in verse 1, we see David, uh, he uses the name Yahweh when it says the Lord. Um, he's using the name Yahweh for the Lord. Uh, David tells us that Yahweh is his shepherd. And this is a really incredible statement. Uh, Yahweh is, as we've said before, y'all probably heard before, but Yahweh is the covenant name of the Lord. It's, it's the name that God reveals to Moses when Moses asks, well, who should I say sent me, right? He's, God says, go. He says, well, who should I say sent me? He says, tell him I am. You know, so he says, Yahweh. Um, so this is the name that God gives to Moses. And I want to read um, just a tiny bit from Exodus 34, verses 6 and 7, uh, because this passage really gives an excellent explanation of kind of all the ideas that are bound up in God's covenant name of Yahweh. Um, so this is Exodus, Exodus 34, 6 through 7. Uh, this is what God declares to Moses about himself. He says, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. And so this verse where God declares kind of who he is to Moses um, gives us a picture of the name. Um, that's, that's the idea behind the name Yahweh. It's, it's the name by which God reveals himself. 
And that name represents God's character and it represents all of God's promises to his people. And so when David says that Yahweh, that the Lord is my shepherd, uh, this is um, really amazing. Uh, David calls the covenant Lord of Israel his shepherd. And this is amazing for several reasons. It's amazing first because shepherds uh, were not held in high esteem in the ancient world. This would be a surprising statement from David. Um, being a shepherd was considered one of the lowest jobs in that society, which is why David, as the youngest son of Jesse, was out with the sheep when they were looking for the king, right? Um, and so it's surprising to hear David call Yahweh uh, his shepherd, since that job was considered one of the lowest jobs available. But it's also amazing because this is one of the more intimate titles that David gives to God in the Psalms. You know, as you read the Psalms, you'll find that David often calls God um, his rock or his salvation or his shield or his deliverer. You know, the idea of a shepherd is, is much more personal. Uh, shepherds slept with the sheep, right? Uh, they watched over the sheep at all times. They protected the sheep from harm. They provided food and water for the sheep. They would guide the sheep. You know, in the first line of this psalm, David tells us that Yahweh, the covenant Lord of Israel, the God who made the universe, um, is his shepherd. And, and I love what Charles Spurgeon says about this. Um, Charles Spurgeon says, I shall not want is an appropriate inference if Yahweh is your shepherd. I shall not want is an appropriate inference if Yahweh is your shepherd. And Charles Spurgeon says this because the name of the shepherd matters. Um, if, you know, if David said, I shall not want because Jeff is my shepherd, he's probably wrong. He, he's probably likely going to want at some point, right? Uh, the name of the shepherd matters. Uh, when Yahweh is your shepherd, you can very confidently say, I shall not want. If your shepherd is the God of the universe, right? The God who made the universe, who is also merciful and gracious and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, you can trust that you really shall not want. And verse 2 gives us kind of further evidence as to why we can trust God to provide for our physical needs. It tells us that the Lord makes us lie down in green pastures and that he provides us with rest. And, and this picture of sheep lying down in the pastures is the picture of sheep who are perfectly provided for by their shepherd. And typically, you, if you drive by and you see, see what sheep are doing, they're usually standing, right? Um, in his commentary in this passage, uh, Derek Kidner tells us that uh, sheep don't lie down unless they're perfectly content, they're at peace, they have what they need. Uh, God's promise of provision means that we can rest. Uh, we can stop try, uh, chasing after what we think we need. Uh, we can trust our God to provide for us. And this assurance from Psalm 23, it reminds us of the words of Jesus in Luke 12. And I'm going to read this for us. I'm going to read Luke 12, verses 22 through 34. It's a little bit long, but it's one of my favorite passages, so I all get to hear it. But it really has a beautiful picture of this Psalm 23 in the words of Jesus. He says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap, they have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these." But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat, what you are to drink, nor be worried, for all the nations of the world seek after these things, 
and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. In Psalm 23, and then in this passage in Luke 12, uh, we see uh, that we are called on to trust our God to provide for our needs. I mean, it's not, it's not just that we can, we can trust God to provide for our needs, it's that because we can trust God to provide for our needs, that our souls can rest. You know, we can, we can rest. We can, <laughs> and we see in the beginning of verse 3 of Psalm 23 um, that trusting God to provide for our needs rather than wearing ourselves out, uh, trying to do it for ourselves, it restores our souls. Uh, there is something soul-restoring in trusting the Lord to be your shepherd and believing that because Yahweh is your shepherd, you really shall not want um, and resting from trying to provide for yourself and, and leaning on the Lord. And so the first way that we see God providing for his people in Psalm 23 is by providing for our physical needs. Uh, the second way that we see God providing for his people in Psalm 23 is by providing our path. Uh, God provides our path. I'm going to read verse 3 again. Uh, verse 3 says, He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Uh, some, of us, some of us here this morning struggle uh, with the fear that comes from not knowing what we should do next. Uh, we aren't sure what our next step should be. We become paralyzed by our fears. We can't make a decision. Uh, Psalm 23 tells us that our shepherd leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Uh, Psalm 23 tells us that in the Lord's goodness and in his mercy, he is leading us along right paths. You know, our, our shepherd isn't standing back. Um, our shepherd doesn't leave us to make choices without his instruction or his guidance. Um, if he did, he wouldn't be a very good shepherd to us. Uh, James Montgomery Boyce says this about sheep. He, uh, James Montgomery Boyce says, uh, left to themselves, sheep lack everything. Uh, left to themselves, sheep lack everything. If we were left to ourselves, we'd be right to be worried. Um, but the psalm tells us that we are never left to ourselves. Uh, God provides for his people uh, by providing us with right paths. God provides for his people by teaching us in his word how to recognize right paths. Uh, he leads us as we move through this life, and he does it for his name's sake. Uh, he has called us to be his own. Uh, he has promised that if he has called us, he's going to bring us all the way home. And when he does, the glory will go to him, right? If you think of, uh, think of uh, Philippians 1.6, Philippians 1.6 says, And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. You know, God is at work in our lives. Uh, he's guiding us along the right paths, ensuring that we will make it all the way home. And we see that spelled out for us and laid out for us in this psalm. And so the second way that we see God providing for his people in Psalm 23 is by providing for our path. The third way that we see God providing for his people in Psalm 23 is by providing for our safety. So the third way we see God providing for us is by providing for our safety. I'm going to read verse 4 again for us. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Uh, one of the truths that we learn in Psalm 23 is that walking through the valley of the shadow of death is part of God's right path for us. Uh, Derek Kidner says that the dark valley, um, the dark valley or ravine, is as truly one of his right paths as were the green pastures. Uh, when we think of Israel, you know, we don't typically think of grass, we typically think of sand. 
Well, as, as the seasons in Israel changed, um, the shepherds had to lead the sheep, right, from one pasture to the other. In the winter, the grass was in the lowlands. In the summer, the grass would be in the highlands. And so during their time of travel, the shepherds often had to lead their sheep through valleys, uh, through ravines, uh, through areas that were full of danger to the sheep. Uh, but the sheep were kept safe, uh, not because of the cunning or the careful planning of the sheep. Uh, they were kept safe by the presence of their shepherd. And so the same thing's true for us. Um, there are seasons when our shepherd leads us through the valleys or through the ravines. Uh, Psalm 23 gives us confidence that we can trust that in those moments, we are just as much in the right paths of our shepherd as we were when we were in the green pastures, when we were beside the still waters. You know, our, our shepherd never stops being with us, even in the valley of the shadow of death. And the result of God's care for us is not only that we are not in want, it's also that we shall fear no evil. You know, the, the knowledge of God's presence with us in the valley, it calms our fears. Uh, Charles Spurgeon, he says that if we had no troubles but real troubles, we should not have a tenth of our present sorrows. Uh, and, and he's saying that all of our fretting and all of our worrying and our anxiety about what kinds of evils uh, may befall us is actually often worse than the actual evils we experience in life because of the presence of our shepherd. Uh, the presence of our shepherd allows us to move through even the hardest seasons of our lives uh, with a stillness and a quietness and a peace that uh, could never come from us uh, because we know that he's with us, um, that he will remain with us even as we pass through that valley. And with him are both uh, his rod that a shepherd uses uh, to fight off dangers to his sheep, uh, but also his staff that a shepherd uses to keep his sheep from straying. Uh, the, the knowledge that God both protects us uh, from dangers and from wandering away while we're in the valley is a great comfort to Christians. Uh, it's a comfort to our souls to know that he both protects us from danger and protects us from wandering. And so the presence of our shepherd allows us to find comfort, uh, even in the dark valleys of our lives, because he provides safety, uh, he provides guidance for us. And so that's the third way that we see God providing for his people. Uh, the fourth way that we see God providing for his people in Psalm 23 is by providing for our future. Uh, we see God providing for our future. In verses 5 and 6, uh, David keeps the same theme, but he changes metaphors. Uh, he moves from describing God as his, his shepherd to describing God as his host. I'm going to read verses 5 and 6 for us. He says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And so in, the, in their culture, you know, the idea of having a meal together was an incredibly intimate thing. Uh, to, to be a guest in someone's house was to be a friend. And so here again, David is employing an intimate image of God. God is welcoming, welcoming him into his home uh, for a feast in spite of the reality and in spite of the continued existence of David's enemies. Uh, David is safe to rest. He's safe to feast in God's presence, um, even though he has very real enemies because he's in the Lord's presence, in the Lord's house. And so David is welcomed into the Lord's house in verse 5. And then he says this in verse 6. I'm going to read it again. He says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In light of what David knows about the Lord, uh, who is both his shepherd and his host, uh, David can trust God uh, with his present and with his future. And, and here is a, a wonderful quote uh, from my reading this week. It says, 
uh, the psalmist expresses deep confidence in God's loyalty. Instead of being pursued by enemies who seek his destruction, it is God's goodness and love that follow him. He need, sorry. <laughs> he need not fear because God's care will always manifest itself in his provision, abundance, and protection. God's love and care follows the psalmist throughout life. The psalmist does not say that our cup will always be full or that our heads will always be anointed with oil. But we do have the promise that God's beneficence will be our lifelong companion. And so what we find in Psalm 23 is that our confidence is not in never having to walk through valleys of darkness, nor is our confidence in uh, the lack of enemies or in the promise of sustained material blessing. Our, our confidence is in the Lord. Um, our confidence is in the Lord. Um, it's not in the lack of enemies. <laughs> it's not in any of those things. It's in the confidence of the Lord who is our shepherd, uh, who has promised to provide for his sheep. And so the Lord, our shepherd, has provided for our present, but he's also provided for our future. And we see that in this psalm. And so Psalm 23, uh, written by David, uh, who knew hardship, who knew fear and anxiety and worry, uh, but he had learned to trust. Uh, David knew what it was like to fear. Uh, the Lord provided for him, and he learned what it was to trust. And God does that for us, too. Uh, psalm 23 is a declaration of trust, a declaration of confidence in the Lord. And so this morning, the question for us is, is really, well, how do we respond to this good news? And psalm 23 can be kind of a sad psalm for us, but it's also, it's also good news. So how does the reality uh, that the Lord is our shepherd uh, change how we live our daily lives? Well, I'll give us two quick reasons. First, uh, when you are confident that the Lord is your shepherd, you can stop trying to be your own shepherd. Uh, so that's the first way we can respond is if you're confident that the Lord is your shepherd, you can stop trying to be your own shepherd. Uh, the reality is that you and I are really not qualified to be our own shepherds. Uh, and when we try to be our own shepherd, uh, we are filled with fear and worry and anxiety because we don't actually have the power uh, to provide for our own physical needs. Uh, we don't have the ability to know all things, to lead ourselves in right paths. Uh, we aren't powerful enough uh, to keep ourselves safe from harm. Uh, we aren't able to keep ourselves from being overwhelmed by fear of harm. Uh, we certainly have no control over the future. And so Psalm 23 invites us to find rest for our souls as we stop trying to be our own shepherds. Uh, we have a shepherd. That's what it tells us. We have a shepherd who loves us, who has all the power in the universe to take care of us. And so when you are confident that the Lord is your shepherd, you can stop trying to be your own shepherd. Uh, we respond to the good news of Psalm 23 by ceasing our efforts uh, to be our own shepherds. And so the second way we respond um, in Psalm 23 tells us uh, not only to stop trying to be our own shepherd, but to actively place our trust in our good shepherd. So not only do we stop trying to be our own shepherd, but we actively place our trust in our good shepherd. Uh, one, of, one of the beautiful things about this psalm is that in John 10, uh, Jesus takes up the language of this psalm, and um, he calls himself our good shepherd. And I'm going to read uh, just John 10, 11 through 14. Uh, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he has a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus came, um, and he is our good shepherd who laid down his life for his sheep. You know, our merciful and gracious Lord, who is slow to anger, who is abounding in steadfast love, uh, who is full of faithfulness and who keeps steadfast love for thousands, 
uh, the Lord who forgives iniquity and transgression and sin, but who told us uh, that by no means would he clear the guilty. Our Lord who told us that he would visit the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generations. Well, he puts our iniquity and our punishment upon his own son. Uh, Jesus laid down his life for us uh, so that all of us who, like sheep, are going astray can be forgiven of our sins so we can be reconciled to our good shepherd who cares for us. And so God has proven over and over again uh, that our fearful hearts can find rest knowing that we really can trust him to provide for us. Uh, God gave us his son, uh, the most precious thing that he could give us to make a way for us to be forgiven, uh, to provide for us uh, with a, with us, uh, provide us with a confidence that we are his people, um, that all of his promises apply to us as well, uh, to provide us with a future where we can dwell in his house forever. And so the bad news this morning is that we live in a scary world uh, that is full of things to be anxious about. Uh, the good news this morning is that the Lord is our shepherd. Uh, he has promised that he will provide for our needs in this life and in the next, and he has gone to incredible lengths uh, to prove his faithfulness to us through the life, death, and resurrection of our good shepherd, Jesus Christ.